Time of discovery, an age of dreams. Would you consider him handsome? I guess he'd be okay if he didn't have the brains of a goldfish. A touch of magic, a life of mystery. I think he's autistic. He's got some marbles in, so what? If you wish hard enough. 14 years old, live. Love long enough, then maybe. Can you really fly, Eric? Anything's possible. The Boy Who Could Fly premieres soon on Sky Movies. So what's the problem? Where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing The Boy Who Could Fly, which was released in America on August 15th, 1986. No date for the UK. It was written and directed by Nick Castle and stars Lucy Deakins, Jay Underwood, Bonnie Bedelia, Fred Savage and Fred Gwynn. Jimmy and I have thought of the problems the movie has three each, and we'll discuss them. We also have thought of one positive the movie has. And the synopsis is, kindly adolescent Millie moves in next door to autistic teen Eric Gibb. The mute Eric, whose parents were killed when he was five years old, lives with his hard-drinking uncle, Hugo, and is obsessed with birds. His tendency to stand on rooftops and window ledges, posed as if he's flying, alarms his social workers. But when Eric saves Millie from a potentially deadly fall, she begins to believe the boy really can take flight. Yeah, when she he saves her from a fall like about an hour into the film, mm-hmm. uh, that happens very very late on. That's like the third act, right? So uh, I have no history with it. I never saw it before. Uh, so what's your history? Um, I meant to ask my mom about this, but uh, I forgot. Um, mm. I don't know if we rented it or if it was just on TV a lot or what, but I remember watching it a lot. Like, I remember my mom being like, you're watching this movie a lot. It must have been, I must have stopped watching it before fourth or fifth grade, because that was around the time I uh, watched Anne of Green Gables. And so I think I would have remembered Colin Dewhurst being in it. No. Um, so I think I, I think by then I was done watching it. And then over the years, every once in a while, the like, the like picture from, I guess, the VHS um, or the poster or whatever would pop into my head and I'd be like, what was that movie that I watched all the time? Like, I could not remember the name of it. And so I just went through life not really knowing, but not thinking about it enough to really look into it. I must have seen it sometime within the last six months or something, like on some list or something, because something reminded me of it. And I saw the name and I was like, we got to do that for the podcast. <laughs> And it was a movie I've never heard anybody mention. I thought I was the only one that I knew that saw it. And then I'm watching it the other day and Dylan walks in and it's one of the scenes with Fred Savage. And he's like, oh, is this the scene where he shoots him with the pee? And I was like, (laughs) wait, you know this movie? And he's like, yeah, it's the boy who could fly. And I'm like, I never, it's like Return to Oz. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just kind of assumed that no one I knew knew this movie. (laughs) And I guess they do. Well, I had heard of it. I'd heard of it and I'd seen maybe bits of it on TV. But, and I saw the, the posters for it. I think I saw it in VHS. Mm-hmm. The, the poster where she's at her window and he's just like sort of there flying. Well, just sort of standing outside 
on nothing, mm-hmm. holding a flower out to. I remember that, but I think the um the advertising well, like well the posters especially and the name of the movie is kind of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. It's um because. You're kind of waiting on it. See, I wasn't. I was like, can he fly? Maybe he can't. Maybe it's... Yeah. I, I, I wasn't convinced he could. Right. I, I, I didn't really think there was much of a mystery there because of the poster of him standing. Well, okay. Like, I didn't see that there. poster. I didn't see yeah, that poster. That's so. a, that's a poster I'm familiar with. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a nice yeah. poster. It's a good poster, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's kind of gives it away. But then, if you don't know that, the title itself could just be, like, a metaphor. It could be, you know. I remembered zero about this movie. Like, I, I vaguely remembered Fred Savage being in it, mm-hmm. um, which I guess this was his first big role. And I read Roger Ebert's uh, review, and he was quite charmed by Fred Savage. Yeah. And it's, once again, it's, we've talked about it before, but it's so weird how you can watch something a million times when you're a kid and just, like, not remember anything about it as an adult. Yeah. I quite like this. I thought this was really mm-hmm. cute and nice, and but but I do have a problem with that, and we'll get okay. to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's just get into your first problem then. Okay, um, my first problem. We'll go with uh, look, Minicon is funny. I I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy Natalie from Facts of Life. But man, this girl is rude. She comes into the house and just like, she takes a Coke. Like she just walks into their house and is just like, hey, what's up? I'm going to take this Coke. And then at one point she yep. says, you can't be in love with a retard. Yep, yep, yep. That's not nice. That's Although the fact that I think that's yep. the only time it's said in the movie is impressive uh, for the time. Yeah. And she's just like, let's get drunk. You're 14, live a little. Like, I, I do, there's a lot I do like about the character. Like, she's she's a nice comic relief. She, why would you be friends with her? And then she kind of disappears. And I love that when when uh, Millie is flying, she's just like, you look good. You look good. <laughs> like, that's her reaction is not like, oh, my God, you're flying. It's you look good up there. Yeah. Yeah, I hate Geneva. That's my first problem. I just, I just hate her. I don't like her at all. I did like that at the end, though, when she's not, like... She just accepts the fact yeah. that they're flying and she just says, you look good. I like that. I don't know. I just can't stand mm-hmm. that. It's the... Millie is friends with her because, I, I don't know, I just I just want to say Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, she's the first person she met. So she's just... And that happens sometimes when you're a kid, like... Or I guess even as an adult, sometimes you start a new school or you start a new job and the first person that's friendly to you at least for a while they become your bestie yeah 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 but it's the way that she just bullies mm-hmm. herself into her life and steals stuff from her house um it's yeah i just didn't like her i thought at first i would just i just wrote down geneva's introduction mm-hmm. because i just thought that that would you know that she would grow on me but no nah, she didn't really at all but nothing against Mindy Cohn, because nothing think, against Mindy Cohn at all. I think she's hilarious, and I love her. I rewatched Facts of Life, or some of Facts of Life, a couple of years ago, and she was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. She was the voice of uh, Velma and Scooby Doo from uh, two thousand and two to two thousand and fifteen. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only know that because she oh, was the voice of. Uh, Velma in a couple of PlayStation 2 games, Scooby-Doo. 
and that's how I know that she was in that because I didn't watch Scooby-Doo at that time. But yeah, she did a lot of the more recent Scooby-Doo stuff. It was Mindy Cohen. Anyway, what is your second problem? <laughs> well, what was your first problem? Was your first problem her too? Geneva, yeah. Okay, all right. My second problem um, partially developed after I watched the movie because, of course, watching a movie like this, afterwards I have to look up, like, what do autistic people think of this movie? Yeah, I did too. Because I wasn't sure what to think, and I did notice that he wasn't making any sounds, and apparently that bothers a lot of people that, Mm -hmm. like, even if you're non-speaking, you're going to, you know, you're going to laugh, you're going to groan, you're going to, like, there's there's noises that you make, and he makes zero noises. Click your tongue. Yeah, that he he talks at the end, and non-verbal autistic people... A lot of times eventually do talk, but it's usually in childhood. It's not, Mm -hmm. they're not that old when it happens. Um, Someone called it inspiration porn Um, (laughs) and said, said the boy in question is more of a prop than a genuine character. Yeah. Which I, I totally see. Um, And also they, they had a problem with, um, and this is from blog post called why I am glad no one remembers the boy who could fly. So you can look that up if you want to read the whole thing. But um, mm-hmm. they ha- also had a problem with the fact that he would just be in a normal classroom yeah. with other kids. But then I can't remember if it was them that pointed out or if it was something else I read. But um, someone pointed out that some schools might not necessarily have the resources. So that's true. It's possible that they would they would be in a normal class. But yeah, just the fact that he makes no no sounds whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This movie isn't. From what I can see, it's not necessarily insulting to autistic people or anything, which is good. Because I know a lot of people have a huge problem with Rain Man. Mm. But it just, it probably would have helped things a lot if he'd made any kind of noise. Yeah. Well, and watching it, I didn't know that much about nonverbal autism. So I didn't think of it in those terms. I just remember watching and being like, can he not make any noise at all? <laughs> like it was, yeah. there were a couple of moments where it's like, no, you would make some sort of sound there. And he mm. didn't. And so um, I was glad that I wasn't the only one that was bothered by that just in general. Yeah. My second problem is when the mum and Millie are dropping Lewis off at school, Millie kisses her brother goodbye on the lips. <laughs> and I, I, I thought that was strange. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I think I missed that. I That's not... That's gross. Yeah, she kisses him on the lips. 14-year-old girl and whatever age Lewis is supposed to be. Um, I was watching it, I was like, she's supposed to be 14? I, I, she seems much older than that, like the mm. actress. But the actress would have been about 15 when she made the movie. I, I looked up her, her age and that at the time, and she would have been about 14, 15 when filming. But she doesn't look it. She looks a little bit older. She has... Well, first of all... I. People in the 80s just looked older. I think it was the big hair and shoulder pads. Like, people in the 80s just, like, if you look at high school photos of people in the 80s, they all look like they're 30. It's ridiculous. But it's also the the actress um, and character had a kind of maturity. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it made her seem older. So, and I think it's probably a combination of, like, the way the character's written and just what the actress brought to that role. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, she's good. I've, I've never seen her before or anything else, and she hasn't really done much else. Uh, she's a lawyer she's, now. She's a lawyer now, yeah. She impressed me in this movie. I thought she was really good. But 
she just she just seemed older. She looked older to me, but mm-hmm. so I'm I'm glad that they actually did hire someone that was age appropriate that to to play the character. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. I never checked how old Jay Underwood was when he was, and Mindy Corn was probably in her twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my problem: kissing uh, a big sister, kissing her kid in the lips. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of family members kissing each other on the lips. It's one thing if it's like a little kid and like a parent that mm-hmm. doesn't bother me as much. But God, I remember one time, like my my mother in law, she's big on like when you part ways with someone, like when you're done hanging out or whatever, like you have to say I love you and you have to hug because what if it's the last time you see them? But like it means nothing to me because at that point it's mandatory. Yeah, she used to be a, a a big fan of kissing goodbye which luckily she doesn't do anymore but i just remember one time she kissed me goodbye on the lips mm-hmm. and i like reacted and she laughed and she was like ah you weren't expecting that and i was just thinking that makes me very uncomfortable i hate that yeah i luckily she never did it again no I, i'm not it grosses me out yeah it's yeah it was just a bit weird um because i see like my sister and my three-year-old niece, and she'll kiss on the lips, and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's that sort of thing's all right. But I wouldn't kiss my niece on the lips. Mm-hmm. That's you know, I mean, that's just not. I don't think that's 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 a done thing. I don't think that's something that I should do. <laughs> um, I'll kiss on the forehead or I'll kiss on the yeah. head. Yeah. Or if you say to if you say to Daisy, uh, like my mum would say, gives a kiss. Or I'll give you a kiss. Um, Daisy will like present her cheek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, no kissing the lips, cheek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what is your third problem? Okay, so part of my problem is I don't know whether or not I like the fact that he can actually fly. I'm not. I'm still not sure if that's something I can really get behind. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my big problem with the flying is. He's holding her hand and they're flying side by side. Like, can she fly too? How is this working? Because yeah. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you'd think he'd be carrying her or something, mm-hmm. but she's flying side by side. And I like, are if he touches her, his powers transferring to her. Like, what what is the deal there? It really bothered me. It's like the Superman movie, like with Superman and Lois Lane are flying and they're in um, up in the sky and he's just like barely holding on to her and she's. Mm-hmm. Like, she's flying too. It makes no sense. It made sense during the dream sequence. Yeah. Because it was a dream sequence. They were sitting in clouds, for fuck's sake, <laughs> in the dream sequence. Yeah. Um, and that was a really good dream sequence. I really enjoyed that because I wasn't, I was, I felt as though, I didn't know it was a dream sequence right away. Mm-hmm. And I felt as though this is a bit early to learn this, if this is true, that he can fly. But then uh, it turns into a nightmare. And I thought that was a really well done sequence. Mm-hmm. Especially considering that they're flying out the, the hospital and it's really shitty green screen and you can tell mm-hmm. it's green screen. But then there's a shot of this gorgeous matte painting of like clouds and the moon and it is beautiful. And um, and that's like just two sort of sides of the 80s there. <laughs> it's like really yeah. crappy green screen and a gorgeous matte painting. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about the flying thing. I just figured that he could. Because, I mean, because of the poster and... Yeah. And also the VHS cover. I, I saw a VHS cover of it because I was looking for posters for the website. And um, there's a VHS cover of him actually flying at the carnival. But he's mm-hmm. alone. 
but it's like a painting and he's like flying towards the camera kind of thing and mm-hmm. there's a carnival so i mean that it's a spoiler yeah and he's got a big smile on his face oh one thing that bothered me is i was reading the uh, new york times review from when it came out mm-hmm. and that reviewer just spoiled that he could fly in the review mm. that's it's not okay I don't think reviewers should get into any specifics about anything from the third act of a movie. No. Like, you can say the third act is exciting or something like that, but it's got to be vague. Like, I am not a fan of reviewers saying anything from the third act of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go back to Roger Ebert, I always hated his review of James Gunn's um, Super um, because he spoils something in the third act because he hated the movie. And he's right, right away he spoils something. That sucks. First paragraph, he just spoils something because he hated the movie, mm. and I don't like that. But I, I do like the fact that he likes this movie. Yeah. And I do too. I actually do enjoy, I did enjoy watching this movie. I was, I was really, because I was watching it for the first time, I was just like, this is cute. This is sweet. I like this. <laughs> non, non-verbal autistic problems aside, it's, yeah. it's a lovely movie. It really is. It is. Um, if the dog had died, that would have been my problem. Yeah, you see, they're just piling everything onto this poor fucking family, aren't they? <laughs> the dad dying before the movie starts, and then... Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was a turn. That was yeah. a turn, finding out that the dad actually committed suicide because he couldn't handle having cancer. That was dark as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was bad. That was, yeah. that was upsetting. Like, they... Well, and they, and I'm guessing that's one of the reasons she connects with him is because, like, she just had this horrible thing happen with her dad, and he lost his parents at a young age. So there's, yeah. like, this, like, connection of tragedy for the two of them. Yeah. If it weren't for that, you'd be kind of like, why is she so interested in... Hey, it'd be one thing just to be interested in, like, finding out more about him, but, like, to, like, actually spend time with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess after you've been through something like your father getting cancer and killing himself, you might not necessarily even totally connect with other kids because you might not be in the best place mentally, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's why she's friends (laughs) with Mindy Cohen because she, because she just like shows up and doesn't matter that she looks kind of sad. Yeah. Like Geneva just bullies herself into that girl's life and then i think she just accepts it yeah she's like yeah whatever you're the first person that's talking to me but i I do like i think the relationship between millie and eric does work Mm -hmm. um because of you know what you said it's like she obviously sees something in eric that she's also going through or that the fact that she's she knows that he's been through it because she does find out early on that he lost his parents he essentially lives alone because his uh, his uncle Herman Munster is just like sort of useless, mm-hmm. but their relationship I really do like the relationship between Millie and Eric. I thought that was really well done, and it mm-hmm. does. It's not just oh he's interesting and he's kind of cute. I'm gonna sort of hang out with him. What is he doing? <laughs> he's standing at his window with his arms out. What is he doing? So my third problem is. That this feels like a TV special rather than a movie. Okay, I could see that. Take away the swearing. Take away the swearing, like, shit's in it a couple of times. Take away, like, piss. Change it to something else at the end when he's got the gun full of pee. Mm -hmm. Which is really gross. 
Yeah. You're a wee dick, Lewis. Um, but like she goes to class for the first time and the teacher's talking about Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, young love and stuff and like that's a, that's like they did that in Boy Meets World. You know what I mean? That kind of thing is mm-hmm. but yeah, it take away the swearing and it's just, there's nothing like amazing about the the direction or apart from the the, the the flying scene where like the flying scene when you see them flying and it's green screen, that looks T V to me. But then the the, the matte painting of the outside that I was talking about earlier, that's gorgeous and that looks like a movie from the eighties. Mm-hmm. But that's just a small problem. It's nothing. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. But I couldn't see see myself sitting in the cinema watching something like this, you know? Yeah, that's probably why I didn't do very well. Yeah. Did um did you think that the teacher was kind of a dick for putting so much pressure on her? <laughs> The the teacher is just like, well, you can you can maybe change him. Yeah, someone else can do it. Woohoo! Can we talk about the one thing that blew my mind? Mm-hmm. That the writer and director is the shape. I just wrote. I just looked at that <laughs> in my notes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Castle's original Michael Myers. Yeah. That's well, not only the original, but he was in two of the three most recent ones. Yeah, he, he appears as old, when he takes the mask off, he's old, mm-hmm. like, disheveled, bearded, grey Michael as well, yeah. That's insane to me. Like, he wrote Hook. The guy who wrote Hook is Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. That is insane. That is so yeah, weird to me. crazy. <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, oh, let's see what else this guy has done. And I got so confused. I was like, Halloween, the shape. But the shape is michael myers mm-hmm. like i was so confused i was like that's so <laughs> weird but it explained why his name was familiar to me because i did recognize the name yeah he's he directed a few things i forgot what else he's directed but he did Last direct Starfighter. A, i never saw that until i was an ad- adult but i, I probably would have loved that as a kid and he wrote escape from new york yeah yeah he's he's friends with John Carpenter, they're in a band together, the Coupe de Vils, and that's the, okay. the Coupe de Vils is actually the band that they're watching on TV. So that's Nick Castle and uh, John Carpenter, and I can't remember who the other person is. The, the girls, when they're drunk, they're watching the music video. That's the Coupe de Vils. Okay. Uh, so John Carpenter's in this movie. <laughs> Alright. I didn't realise uh, that. Yeah. So... What is your positive, Jen? Um, I'll go with the acting. It's yeah, okay. It's, I mean, I think it's really good. I think uh, Lucy Deakins is really good. Mm-hmm. You can tell I uh, pulled up my IMDb since I know her name now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jay Underwood is very good, um, especially considering he doesn't really talk <laughs> for most of the movie. Yeah, I love Bonnie Bedelia. It broke my heart seeing her go back to work. And having to deal with computers, because I know that was a huge problem for a lot of people. And once again, I'm grateful that my mom was in the very small window where they were actually training people on computers, because she could have been screwed if uh, she hadn't (laughs) been working somewhere where they actually trained her. Fred Savage, you can see in this movie how he ends up becoming a child star. Mm -hmm. My My favorite moment is just when he walks into the into the classroom yeah and he's just oh he's just trying to act so tough mm-hmm. like the he, oh he's so fun and then colleen dewhurst god she always just 
plays a tough broad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's the best way to describe Colleen Dewhurst. Is just she's a tough broad. So and even Fred Gwynn, like I thought he was really good as the drunk uncle. Yeah. Just all over, like the the acting was just really good. And I think that this is one of those movies where you can tell like it would be complete it would be a complete shit show if it didn't have a really good cast. Yeah, I know she didn't mention Mindy Cohen in that. Though. Oh, but, I um, should have. <laughs> but no, I thought she was really good too. I really liked her. She, yeah, her character was annoying, but I think her character was supposed to be annoying. So it yeah, worked. but we've we've had this conversation before. It's like these movies in the eighties. It's the same with Styles and Teen Wolf. It's like they're annoying, but they're also supposed to be likable in some way. And I just don't, I just don't like her because you're supposed to see why the main character who be friends with this person and I don't see it in these kind of characters. I just don't. They just piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my positive... I messaged you and said that I had my three problems mm-hmm. and uh, my positive in the first 20 minutes because my first positive, I changed it, kind of, slightly. Okay. My first positive was Bonnie Bedelia. Solely because of her performance when Millie comes down the stairs and sees her mum sitting on the floor looking at a picture of the family with the dad in it. Mm-hmm. And just her performance in that scene just made me go, holy shit. Because I only know Bonnie Bedelia from the first two Die Hard movies. Yeah. And she's completely different in those movies. I mean, the way she speaks as well, the way she speaks as Holly is completely different from the way she's talking in this movie. And it's only two years after this. And she's just got a whole different way of sort of speaking in Die Hard. I do think of Die Hard when I think of her, but it also, for me, Parenthood, which, you know, that's six years of her. So uh, that's what I tend to go to with her. Right. But then I kind of changed it. As the the movie went on, and as Lucy Lucy Deacons proved herself to be a solid actress, I kind of changed it over to like the family dynamic, mm-hmm. like the, the the whole sort of mostly the mother daughter dynamic in this. I really liked. I don't really care about Lewis, um, but the whole family thing I did like, mm-hmm. and like the scene where. She is so frustrated, and she's shouting at her kids, and tells her kids to go up to the up to the room, and then she just goes up to her room and just leaves poor Eric sitting at the table eating his spaghetti, just spaghetti. Who eats just spaghetti? You know, make it put bolognese or something on it, but <laughs> some sort of sauce. Don't just eat just spaghetti. That's gross. Yeah. Then they hear that he's watching their home movies. And they all go downstairs and they're all just standing behind him watching it. That is an amazing scene. That yeah. scene is beautiful. Uh, I love that scene. And it's just the whole family dynamic. And it's like they're also accepting, especially the mother, is kind of accepting mm-hmm. Eric in that moment. Yeah. And I just thought that scene was great. Well, and the fact that Eric is eating dinner with them, I like the fact that the mom's supportive mm-hmm. of like, her her daughter has basically kind of taken in this like pet like he is her pet project and the the mom i kept waiting for some sort of argument where she's like you know yelling at her daughter for being too obsessed with this kid or the kid being over Mm -hmm. there all the time and it never happened like she's just accepting of the fact that like yeah her daughter is friends with this kid yeah 
Maybe, maybe she, maybe she hates Minicon's character so much that she's like, I like this friend better. It's like, uh, well, at least Eric doesn't steal cans of Coke <laughs> from my fridge and just starts drinking it in the first, the first minute he met us. Oh my God, my um, my brother-in-law before he was my brother-in-law it was actually during a time when Dylan and I weren't speaking years before we were married. Mm-hmm. Like I was still hanging out with his brother a lot, and I just remember one day he walked into the house. I was living with my parents. He walked into the house, went to the fridge and got a Dr. Pepper and then sat down in the living room and changed the channel. And I was like, I don't like someone being so comfortable in my home. Like, it it was very it was it was just like you are acting as though this is your home and I don't I don't like it. It's not your home. And I was watching that. Yeah. (laughs) And you changed the channel. And it just kind of reminds me of that, like just walking Mm -hmm. in. And doing whatever you want when it's not your house. Another thing I liked about this movie is the fact that that Millie doesn't she she keeps watching like the popular kids, mm-hmm. and she she's watching them because I think she just kind of wants that sort of friends group. Mm-hmm. Um, initially I thought it was because she liked the guy, but then the guy's a nothing character. The guy's nothing in that group. He, 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 you know, it was initially maybe thought she was jealous of the mean girl who had a boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. But it's not that. She just wants a friend group. She just wants to be accepted and have friends. Yeah. It was a different kind of movie that I'm used to from the 1980s. Maybe because it was more like a TV movie, but um, (laughs) it was a different kind of movie. Uh, And I liked it. I actually genuinely enjoyed this movie. (laughs) I'm glad. I And I I do appreciate this movie. Like, we've talked about things that we kind of expected and, like, you know, like maybe that – she'd have a crush on a guy or whatever but like yeah this movie is not predictable like you and i have seen enough especially like 80s teen movies and stuff to mm-hmm. be able to predict most of what's going to happen in these things and this movie yeah. was completely unpredictable and if you hadn't had you know if you don't have the twist ruined for you by a poster or something there's mm-hmm. even when you're watching it there is the question of like can he like i spent most of the movie assuming he couldn't fly um, it's just, it's a really unpredictable movie, which is surprising for the time. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, like we said earlier, there is things that actually did surprise me, like the reveal of the dad. Mm-hmm. Like, that did, that hit me. That was like, holy shit, he actually killed himself in this PG family movie. That, that was kind of fucked up. I knew he could fly, but the reaction to everyone else surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, he, he flies away. And then at the end, there is people who do, like, scientists who do tests and everyone to see if they can fly and blah, 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 right? And you would expect that. But that is just done in sort of a nonchalant way. It's yeah. not like, that's just like, you kind of expect that. Mm. But, like, there's no scene where, like, the FBI or whatever are in cars chasing them when they're flying and stuff like that. There's nothing like that. It's like the, everyone in the everyone in the town just accepts it right away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yay, Eric, woo! You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, it was fucking, it was weird. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something more like E.T. where they all wanted to like track him down and find out how he can fly and, mm-hmm. you know, lock him up and stuff. But no, he just fucking flies away. Yeah. And and what happened to him? What happened to Eric? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, the family are now happy, uh, mm-hmm. and the um, and his uncle stops drinking and yeah. wears a really horrible suit and <laughs> goes to work. 
I mean, he changes a lot of people's lives, but it's weird. It's like, I also expected him maybe to die. You know, if yeah. they weren't going to go down that route, it was like maybe he dies and then everyone's life has changed because of him. But no, he's still alive and flying away somewhere. And <laughs> he's just out there somewhere. It's, yeah, it was really strange. I didn't expect a lot of it. <laughs> we live in a maisonette and there's a flat downstairs from us. And our um, downstairs neighbours have a two-year-old daughter called Millie. Okay. Uh, but it's not short for anything because this Millie, her name is Amelia. Mm-hmm. But Millie downstairs for me is just Millie. I like the name Millie. Yeah, it's a cute name. Right, so do you have any any notes or anything, any trivia or? No, that was the biggest thing for me was just the, was Nick Castle being the shade. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Just, it's it like imagining Michael Myers writing and directing a movie like this is just, I, it's just hilarious to me. It's so weird. Well, and then credits. The Coupe de Vils are actually credited. I can't remember the third member. I can't remember the third member. But it's someone who is also, like, um, who makes movies and stuff. But John Carpenter does have a credit at the end of the cast in this. That's awesome. (laughs) Which is strange. Uh, But, yeah, I have have some notes. But I'll try and go through them as quickly as possible. uh, Because I have said some. Like, who eats just spaghetti? Um... (laughs) Both Lucy Deakins, who plays Millie, and Jay Underwood, who plays Eric, were nominated for Best Performance by a Younger Actor at the 1987 Saturn Awards. Uh, they were up against Joey Kramer for Flight of the Navigator, Scott Grimes for Critters. Oh, Scott Grimes. Yeah, Scott Grimes. I love him. And, <laughs> and um, Carrie Hen for, Hel- for Helens. Carrie Hen for Aliens. And she won for that. And I don't understand mm-hmm. why. Because I don't think that's a great performance. But um, but anyway, uh, Deakins was also up for exceptional performance by a young actress starring in a feature film, comedy or drama um, f- at the 8th Youth in Film Awards, which I didn't think, I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. But she lost out to Laura Jacoby for the movie Rad. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. I think it's a skateboarding movie. Or something like it, that, but I've that would be seen my it. guess based on the title. Uh, now I have to look it up because I'm curious. Yeah, but, but Fred but... Savage did win a Youth and Film Award for his performance, mm-hmm. and then he also won the following year for The Princess Bride. Okay, uh, Rad is about a BMX race. Oh, BMX, right? Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I've never seen that. Yeah, we'll never be watching that. No, no, we'll never cover that. We may cover BMX Bandits. <laughs> okay. Because I saw BMX Bandits as a kid. And it stars Nicole Kidman, teenage Nicole Kidman. So <laughs> we may cover that at some point. Uh, Lewis asks if Eric has screws loose. And I just thought that was kind of like a case of the, the pot calling the, the kettle black. Because <laughs> Lewis isn't exactly... Lewis is so weird. Yeah, he, he, he buries his G.I. Joes. He has funerals for his G.I. Joes. And he's constantly wearing army fatigues. And he's eight. It's very, very strange. When Millie is getting a ladder to climb up to, to Eric, who's up on the roof, mm-hmm. uh, Geneva yells, go get your mother. Lewis and the way she says that you can see that Fred Savage actually breaks because mm-hmm. when he's running away he laughs <laughs> at her <laughs> at the way she just she yells that at him because mm-hmm. then before that and after that he's serious 
So you yeah. can tell that as Fred Savage breaking. I literally like that. <laughs> I didn't um, notice that. <laughs> yeah. I never notice actors breaking, or I rarely do. Mm-hmm. And it makes me kind of sad because I love it when they break. Like, I listen to the Office Ladies podcast, mm-hmm. and obviously they're going to notice it better than most people because they were actors on the show. So they know when their coworkers are breaking. Like, mm-hmm. they can even tell if someone is smiling out of character. Yeah. Um, which is really fascinating to me. But, you know, I'll watch The Office and everything's fine and normal. And then I listen to the podcast and they're like, did you notice that everyone in that scene was breaking? And I'm like, crap. <laughs> and then when I go back and watch, I'm like, oh, okay. It's so obvious here. But like, I just, I don't even register those things unless I know it's there. Yeah. Uh, I've started listening to the the Pod Meets World, Boy Meets World podcast. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that a couple of times. Um, that when there's someone that you can see maybe starting to break, they'll, they'll, they'll point it out. I need to listen to that. After you said you, you listened to an episode, I did watch the first episode of Boy Meets World, but I haven't yeah. listened to it. I don't have as much time to listen to podcasts these days. Or I do have the time. I don't have the circumstances where I'm listening to podcasts as much as I, I get used you. to. I get you. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really behind on everything. So I'm like wanting to start that podcast but should i really be starting a podcast when i can't keep up with everything else yeah i'm i'm near the end of the season so i'm almost at the episode of boy meets world where they are going swimming mm-hmm. and they're all wearing their swimsuits and the audiences are the audience are hooting and hollering at these 11 year old children oh my in God. swimsuits and i read that in the description that um that they mention that in a description for that episode so i'm like i'm gonna have to listen to that see how they feel about that because mm-hmm. every now and then they'll point out saying this is a bit strange this shouldn't have been happening to like a children a children a child that age mm-hmm. like there, there were some circumstances they went they're not happy about it's a really good podcast because they they, they don't hold back if they think something's bad, they'll say it's bad. If they think something's wrong, they'll say it's wrong. I've listened to multiple rewatch podcasts with actors from the shows. And yeah. every once in a while, things they say will end up in news stories, like with Entertainment mm-hmm. Weekly or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have not seen a podcast where as m- there have been as many articles as with that podcast yeah that one stuff comes out all the time that they say which i appreciate like it sounds like they're being very honest which i like and mm-hmm. um, they do the same thing on um the one tree hill podcast drama queens mm-hmm. they which the other day this is so weird i apparent i stopped listening to that podcast a while ago um not because it's bad but just i had too many podcasts and uh apparently recently on an episode one of the care one of the actresses just like casually was like yeah well i was in a cult for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> and like it was i didn't hear it or anything but from what i read it was just she just very casually stated that she was in a cult for 10 years and now she's writing Christ. a book about it but like i guess she'd been like they'd be telling stories about stuff they did behind the scenes and like after work or whatever and she didn't do any of that stuff and it's because she was in a cult <sighs> and i guess she finally was like i should just go ahead and say it instead of like screaming yeah. around the issue but it was just it was apparently just kind of slipped in there and people were like wait what <laughs> Will you tell us more about this? Yeah. The Pod Meets World one is the only one I've listened to because it's the only show that has a rewatch podcast that I have actually seen. <laughs> um, I never watched One Tree Hill or, or The Office or anything like that. So I don't, or Scrubs or 
Bye-bye. The thing I like about rewatch podcasts is um, it's I mean, Scrubs was two episodes a week, but the the rest of them are usually one a week. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice sitting down and like you sit down and you watch like one episode of The Office that week or one episode of The O.C. If you're listening, if you're listening to it in real time, like, like if you were to listen to the O.C. podcast now, you could just binge everything. But like if you're mm-hmm. listening to it as it's airing, you're just watching the one episode a week. And it's kind of refreshing after so much binging. To just yeah. enjoy an episode of a show and then move on and and not watch anything until the next week. I kind of like it. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus, I'm yawning. Um, not because of you. <laughs> no, I get it. I'm I, very boring. No, I'm not, not that long woken up from a nap before I recorded. <laughs> I had watched the movie, finished watching the movie, so I went for a little nap. And then... Mm. Um, the guy with the moustache takes Eric down from the window in the institution because Eric is... He sees Millie and he's gone crazy at the mm-hmm. window. Guy grabs him. He's a very sweaty man. He has <laughs> he has he has like sweat pits like in his pits it's like sweat marks and the mm-hmm. under his under his peck there's a lot of sweat. And the other man who helps him doesn't. So that man must have been working out, at least trying <laughs> to work out before doing that scene. The music is, is cute. I like some of the music, but it's a bit much sometimes. It's like the entire third act is just music score. It's just constant. It's really weird. Because uh, the, there's a part where Eric puts a ring on Millie's finger mm-hmm. and the music swells up like he's fucking proposed to her or something. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's a very weird sort of place to put that kind of music. Uh, I'm trying to go through these very, very quickly. I laughed out loud at Lucy's reaction to seeing them fly at the end because he goes, what? Like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. When Lewis is getting his um payback on, on the bullies, th- he, he drops like balls or something at the back of his little cart and mm-hmm. one of the kids slips on them and falls. That kid actually took that hit. That was that looked fucking sore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a child like hitting the ground. Um, and then just after that, like, a member of the crew throws a dog onto the top, top of another dog because the 80s, that sort yeah. of thing you wouldn't be getting away with anymore. But, like, it's supposed to be his dog is jumping onto the other dog, the Doberman, but clearly someone's just thrown that dog onto the other dog. And it's, <laughs> no, you would not do that now. Yeah, that's all of my notes. <sighs> Woo! The only other note I had that I didn't mention was at one point, like it's nighttime and they're looking out at Eric um, pretending he can fly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the three of them are looking out the window. People come into the room and they're like pulling him back in. They're not mm-hmm. even trying to hide that they're just staring. No, I know. Like I would have moved kind of behind the curtain, but they, they're just standing there staring. Yeah. So rude. Next week we're going to be covering a romantic comedy from the nineties, and it's not Jen's pick. <laughs> we're going to be covering, uh, and you know, uh, this movie has got a long title, but the next movie, "So I Married an Axe Murderer," has a longer title by one word. So that's <laughs> going to be a bitch to put in the title for the podcast. But yeah, "So I Married an Axe Murderer" from '93, I think. I haven't seen um, it in a very long time. Yes, yeah, same, same. But I do have a problem with it. I'm wondering if Dylan might watch it with me because he loves that movie. Yeah. I don't remember much about it, but I remember the use of the song There She Goes by The Laws. 
it does. It has a good soundtrack, ninety soundtrack. Uh, there's uh, two princesses in there as well. Oh right, to, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow the podcast on Threads, it's Shifty Bench Pod. Shiftybench.co.uk is a website. Contact the shiftybench.co.uk as the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? Um, once again, I'm Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Um, I have yet to update the app on my phone, so it's still the little the little Twitter, the little bird icon. Yeah. And I'm yeah. pretty sure when I eventually update it, that's what's gonna make me leave Twitter because I'm gonna have to look at that stupid icon and I don't want to. So thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. The Boy Who Could Fly. The scenes that include flying in this film are performed by professional stunt artists, observing special safety rules under strict supervision. Do not in any way attempt to imitate any of the stunts performed.